The Public News Service Daily Newscast, June the 16th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. First, we stop off in Connecticut, where residents can expect to see a sharp increase in diesel fuel prices starting July 1. And trucking companies say it will be passed on to consumers. The increase of $0.09 per gallon is based on an annual adjustment set by the Department of Revenue Services. Although the state has suspended the gas tax through December, prices continue to rise due to inflation and the price of crude oil. At the Connecticut Food Association, which represents grocery retailers and distribution suppliers in the state, Wayne Pesh says it will lead to more people having to make difficult choices. Some of the things we're seeing is consumers are trading off both beef and pork and even poultry in some instances, and they're eating a lot more rice and pasta because they're making decisions based on how much income they have to spend on food. Diesel, the main fuel source for most commercial trucks, also produces emissions harmful to health, including ground-level ozone and particulate matter. As of June 15th, the average price of diesel in Connecticut was $6.17. That's 40 cents above the national average. I'm Emily Scott. Earlier this month, Governor Ned Lamont and other state officials announced a diesel fuel tax exemption for farmers and agricultural producers. Last week's flash floods in Birmingham left property damaged and dozens in need of rescue. Former Birmingham Councilman John Hilliard says he'd like to see funding to address the city's brownfields, former industrial sites polluted by contamination that can spread when the area floods. If we could clean up some of those brownfields, it would change the face of my entire district and allow us to be able to do a lot in that area. A new report by the National Wildlife Federation highlights how federal infrastructure money can prevent future flooding in places like Birmingham. The report's authors recommend more funding for new stormwater infrastructure and new federally sponsored hazard mitigation programs in the city. And we stick with an overabundance of water with this update from CNN. While all entrances of Yellowstone National Park are temporarily closed because flooding has damaged roads and bridges, the park's northern portion, in particular, may remain closed for a substantial length of time. Park officials say many sections of the road in the park's northern areas are completely gone and will require substantial time and effort to reconstruct. CNN notes that dangerous flooding caused by abundant rain and rapid snowmelt began to hit the park and several counties in southern Montana on Monday. This is PNS. North Dakota is seeing more diversity within its youth population, but researchers say they face a tougher road in securing a brighter future. A new report details these outcomes and how they were shaped. Kids Count, a research arm of the Annie E. Casey Foundation, says nearly one in four children in North Dakota is a person of color. But because of discriminatory policies in such areas as housing, their families are less likely to achieve economic security. Kids Count Regional Coordinator Zanna Berg says these decisions made decades ago still have repercussions today. It made it harder for families of color to qualify for loans to purchase a home. And when we think about kind of the legacy that that racist policy had on today, um, we see, you know, disparities in home ownership rates. The report authors recommend more energy investments in tribal areas to reduce utility costs, as well as boosting the minimum wage. 
Berg acknowledges these aims might be hard with a conservative legislature, but says recent victories provide hope. I'm Mike Moen. North Dakota is second to last in the nation for Medicaid participation among kids at 83%. Meantime, Minnesota has joined several states in raising the age limit for young immigrants who have escaped trauma to receive legal protections in the U.S. This week, Governor Tom Walz signed a bill increasing the age limit from 18 to 21 to seek what's known as special immigrant juvenile status. That aligns Minnesota law with a federal statute. Representative Sandra Feist led the efforts through the House. And confront this issue on a regular basis with young people who realize that their immigration is an issue later in their teens and then are up against that deadline of their 18th birthday. The bill had broad bipartisan support, although the federal component is under scrutiny over case backlogs. Finally, a new report warns that without federal intervention, rural hospitals across the U.S., including many in Nebraska, could be forced to reduce services or even close their doors. Eric Gladys follows this report along with the Daily Yonder. Nemaha County Hospital CEO Marty Fadig says ending across-the-board federal spending cuts, known as sequestration, would be a good start. Since lawmakers haven't used cuts to bring down the national debt as promised, Fadig believes hospitals should receive full reimbursement from Medicare. So it looks to me like the only people that are paying for this thing are those of us that take care of Medicare patients, you know, and we get 2% off of, of what we would normally get paid. That's kind of a big deal. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service, member and listener supported, heard on interesting radio stations, your favorite podcast platform, and find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.